to the Mission LHC podcast, where you'll hear real conversations with a married couple that are on a mission to help other couples as they learn to love, honor, and cherish each other in all stages of marriage. My name is Heath Yearwood. And I'm Amanda Yearwood. And thanks for joining us as we laugh together and share our story together in hopes that we can be an encouragement to you. Welcome back to another episode of Mission LHC. We're so excited to have some special guests with us today. We've got Micah and Lindsay Camper, and we're excited to hear more about your love story and more about you guys. Of course, we know Lindsay from being our student in school. We're so old that um, you we remember you as a youngin. So, <laughs> and maybe we should give Micah the the traditional Southern. Oh, bless your heart. I don't know, should we? I don't know, but um, but we're excited to have you guys and hear more about your story today. Well, again, it is great to have you as a guest. Uh, we've been wanting to have some guests, but it seems like with everything that's been going on this year, we haven't been able to have as many people on. But, you know, I, I like I said, as Amanda had spoken earlier, we've known Lindsay for years, and we've watched y'all from afar when y'all were doing mission work. We saw you, you know, different posts and different things, and then now, fortunately, being able to be around you a little bit and got to know you a little bit, we really appreciate you and what you do for the Lord. But just tell us a little bit about yourselves as, as a family. My name is Micah, and this is my wife, Lindsay. And we do have two kids, Eden and Highland. Um, a little little girl named Eden and a boy named Highland. Highland is two years old. Eden is four. And uh, fun, fun. she's looking oh, at me like, wow, sometimes y'all are I forget busy. the yeah. number. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't worry, Mike. It never gets any easier. Because a while ago, I was telling you <laughs> my age of my son. And I was having to think. And his birthday yeah. comes up. And you <laughs> noticed I corrected him. Yeah. And, <laughs> And yeah. even anniversaries and birthday, all those things. Women can remember all these. We Dads just, we struggle with those things. But, you know, you guys definitely remember details of every play and every ball game that ever happened and how you won it or we, lost we can, it. We or, can remember yeah. anything that we need to. Whether <laughs> Amanda's big joke is that I know every song lyric from the 1980s, and she says I've taken up all kind of uh, useless You've information. Completely used right. up so all that's your what's wrong brain with brain there. Yeah, no more help. That's when we were in Guatemala having to learn Spanish. They would, like, part of learning Spanish was, like, having to say, okay, I have a daughter and a son. My daughter's name is this, and her age is this. All in Spanish. I'm like, I can barely tell you that in English. (laughs) That's true. So, um, yeah, we have two kids, and we are on staff, or I am on staff at Temple Baptist Church as the missions and outreach director. Um, and Lindsay just got a new job. You want to tell them about your new yeah. job? So I am staying at home with my kids for the first time ever, like awesome. without having even just a couple of days I work outside of the home. So I absolutely love that because they obviously keep me very busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I'm actually doing a work from home uh, position as an administrator for Simply Spotless. It's a cleaning company. Um, well, awesome. that's local. So it was a great opportunity so I could continue to raise my babies up um, in a way that I want to mm-hmm. and also be able to make some extra money. So that's, that's awesome. Of course, I'm immediately feeling embarrassment. I mean, y'all are sitting here in my house. Just so you know, y'all got the, the <laughs> one still white towel treatment in the <laughs> guest bathroom, you know, so that you know that one hand yes. towel that you have that uh-huh. doesn't have spots or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all got that one. I'm yeah. the administrator. I don't clean, so <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. 
Yeah. Uh, Chicklings are house. Yeah. yeah. Not other people's Not other people's. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> well, and that's neat, you know, and I, and I commend you for being able to stay at home and do that. Amanda, that's one of, we, in one of our episodes, we talk about it, one of our biggest regrets. We built this house. Uh, my mom was going to be able to keep my kids and all that. And after we got the mortgage and moved in and all that, some stuff happened. And we had to put the kids in daycare. And she would cry like a baby as we would carry them. And it was bad. And she said that was one of her biggest regrets. If we had it to do over again, she would have stayed at home. We would have moved back in our little trailer that would have fit in this room. Whatever we had to do. So... If you can do it, realize you can't get that time back right. with them. And so sometimes those formative years are the most important. And uh, again, just, you know, do whatever you feel led. But mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, um, you know, we're going to get into kind of what we're going to do in this episodes here. We're going to talk to Lindsay and we're going to get her story. And then we're going to talk to Micah and get his story. And then we will end up getting their story. And, and it's a great story between these two and, uh, we believe that God puts uh, couples like you guys together, and uh, He's blessed you, and I can see that with you both. But, Lindsay, just tell us a little bit about your story. Um, I know a lot about it from you being in school, but just tell me about Lindsay. Well, I grew up just a super outgoing kid. I was always very outspoken. I love talking to people. Just anybody, all my mom's friends, I would call them and talk to them. I would always call my dad. He'd call me a second wife because right. <laughs> I would always be calling him. But um, So I was a very outgoing kid. I have a brother who is two years older than me, so we were really close growing up. Um, and so I ended up having a little bit of a crazy childhood. We moved around a lot. Um, I had a really good relationship with my dad in the beginning. We were very, very close. Um, He had his own business, and me and my brother would actually go to work with him sometimes. And so he was a really good dad, but he actually fell into addiction when I was probably like, probably about kindergarten-ish. So we had just moved and built a house um, in Curry, and um, it was a great great time there we loved being there but as he fell into addiction he actually lost his job and we ended up losing our home and so at that time we knew something was kind of going on in our family but I was so young that I didn't really understand and my mom worked very very hard to keep things from us um just so we didn't carry that burden as me and my brother were still really young so um time passed and his addiction got worse and we didn't really have much thankfully I had some grandparents that provided um, a lot for what we needed and um, we actually lived with one we lived across the street from one set of grandparents which of course as a kid you loved that oh yeah all the (laughs) time we always went over to their house we spent so much time with them so that was a great time to really grow closer with them Um, but the chaos in our home kind of continued and it just got worse and worse. My dad was able to actually get another job, but he ended up losing it also. And so, um, about when I was in fifth grade, I moved back to Coleman and that's when I started at West Point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, um, I liked getting to know some new friends and all that kind of stuff. And, um, a year after we moved back to West Point, I was in sixth grade and my brother and my dad, had went um, to go work on some old cars and they were test driving one and they had gone down the road and they actually had an accident. And my dad wasn't wearing a seatbelt, so always wear your seatbelt. <laughs> but my brother was, so he came out without a scratch, but my dad actually died on impact. 
same. Mm. In sixth grade, my life was just totally changed, totally upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, was your mom and dad still together at that time? Yes, my parents were still married. Um, my mom was working really hard, and <clears throat> we had went through a lot of seeing his addiction. At that point, we all fully knew about it, and it was a really hard time up till when he passed away. But um, it was just super hard on my mom because they had been married for years. And I'm sure very traumatic for your brother because also, he would have yes. been middle school. Is that right? Yes, he was mm-hmm. in seventh grade. So, mm-hmm. well, and you know, your mom's always been a hard worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's worked mm-hmm. as long as I've known you and your brother. Yeah. She's been a hard worker, and yes. but. You know, and I know in this, what we're talking about today may be hard for you because every time we go back through stories like this, it's difficult. But, you know, I appreciate you being able to tell it and talk about it a little bit because there's probably listeners out there that's went through some traumatic events like that. And, um, you know, God doesn't allow those events to happen, I don't believe, but I think he can take the events we went through in our lives mm-hmm. and he and good can come out of it because that's like, you know, we know some people that's lost loved ones and if it stops at that point, then there's no blessing that comes out. But if you can take what's happened and help someone and, mm-hmm. and I know some situations that you've helped people like that and I appreciate you doing that. Yeah. But you know, right then you talked about your personality had been outgoing, cheerful, happy, and everything like that. But when yes. when you lose the light of your world, the daddy in you know in that situation, even though he had problems, you still had that same love for him right. no matter what. Absolutely. So to tell tell about how your life changed at that point. So after that point, my life pretty much just drastically changed. Um, I, it was really hard to see my mom struggling. She fell into some pretty deep depression after my dad died, um, which is totally understandable because your other half mm-hmm. <laughs> is gone suddenly. Um, and so it really just became we all kind of did our own thing. And I started making some really bad choices because I just felt a lot of loneliness and um I just felt a lot of emptiness from where my dad used to be there and I wasn't and I wasn't like the other kids because I didn't have this perfect picture family. And so um, because I had all these struggles at home, I just wanted to find joy and fulfillment somewhere else. And unfortunately, I didn't have the Lord. So I started seeking that out with other friends, um, hanging out with people at school that were not as great of influences. Um, and eventually I became that bad influence. And so that kind of led me down a trail to what ended up being addiction. Um, I also ended up having an eating disorder that ended up almost taking my life. And also, um, when I was younger, I had been sexually abused. And I kind of had this mindset of, oh, that had already happened to me before, so what's any different now? Mm-hmm. And so I just started making a lot of very poor choices. And that just continued for multiple years. So... It's so hard when you get into that almost like a downward spiral because then those those scripts that are running through your head are this is all I will ever be. Mm-hmm. What's what's the point in trying to do better tomorrow when Absolutely. I've already done this today or yesterday or these things that have happened? Mm-hmm. I uh, I remember the 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 Lindsay of high school that was really struggling and. From from a bystander's standpoint, 
I, I was trying to think about it this week, thinking about what do I really remember about you at that time? And, and we knew you were struggling, but at that same time, feeling helpless of, you know, how do we right. help? What do we do to intervene? And I remember having conversations with you in my office. Some probably weren't so good. You probably <laughs> have some. Like, it was that, you know, that, you know, you want to shake it. You can do better. It's so, you can right. do better than this. But um, one in particular that I remember, uh, your mom had uh, gone through a, a time where she was struggling with her health and uh, you and your brother were both in high school and uh, y'all were trying to take care of things at home and I remember you coming in my office and, and saying, I don't know how to pay the bills. Can you help me figure out how to pay the bills? You probably don't even yeah, remember I that. I don't remember that. Yeah, and, and I remember thinking, well, yeah, that's a, that, a valid question mm -hmm. and I thought, you know, my children would not know what to do if right. you know if we were in the hospital and couldn't do anything um, but I remember that vulnerable you that day mm -hmm. you had let that wall down because you had a thick wall you were yeah, you were feisty little thing <laughs> and you were not gonna let people break down that wall but that one day I saw it um and yeah yeah that was a really hard mm -hmm. time so what you're mentioning was actually when I was in 10th grade mm -hmm. my mom had just um she went in for I think some gallbladder issues mm -hmm. and she ended up going into kidney failure and was hallucinating and didn't even know how I was Mm -hmm. And so at that point, me and my brother were living by ourselves. I think it was for at least a month, um, pretty much raising ourselves, thinking that we were going to lose our other parent mm -hmm. um, yeah. and because they, they didn't know what was happening with her. So that was definitely a scary time. I don't remember that conversation, but I bet <laughs> that that was true because yeah. I immediately go to the logical things. That's my personality. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I've got to take care of this, this, and this. And mm -hmm. I was probably 16 years old mm -hmm. in that. Mm -hmm. And I was worried about paying bills. <laughs> yeah, you were. Well, and a lot of times mm -hmm. we have coping mechanisms. You talked about something happening to you at an earlier age, but mm -hmm. you buried that down in there. And we talked earlier before we got into this podcast about, you know, people that don't have problems with something they have to be careful digging things back up as long as it's not coming back in their life and you know you talked about you know when this happened in about sixth grade when did your point the things start to fall apart even more was it in middle school or was it more in high school when things started or, or is it a slow phase kind of um, I think it was a slow fade, but I think it really accelerated when I got into high school. Um, I really just craved acceptance from other people because my home life had become so chaotic. And so I, that's when my eating disorder got really bad. I was starving myself, um, just to a very extreme point and just living a very, just awful lifestyle, just. I mean, there were so many times that I probably could have went to jail. Yeah. And so, but I know now looking back that God protected me through all that. But I was just grasping at anything I could to fill that hole that only now I know that God could fill. But I was not ready for Him to fill that hole at all. Mm. Well, we experience kids nowadays that they do a lot of different things, whether it's cutting or uh, eating disorders, different things. Did, was that something you felt gave you control over things, or was that a relate? You know, I don't know about eating disorders a lot. How? Mm -hmm. Tell me about that with you. Uh, did, was it something that you felt that it, you were in control of, and then it kind of got out of control, or how would that work? 
Well, I'll tell you how it started. I remember the exact day that my mind shifted <clears throat> to an eating disorder mind. Mm -hmm. And I was in eighth grade, and there was a kid in my class who said Lindsay would be the prettiest girl in our grade if she wasn't fat. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'll prove them wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that because I, I knew I could control that. And so it became about control. Mm -hmm. And still to this day, not with food, but I am someone that likes to be in control of everything. Sure. And God's really mm -hmm. had to help me with that. But um, so I, it really did become about control. And I'm a very goal-oriented person. So when I would hit goal, one goal, maybe it was a weight goal or how much I would eat that day goal, I would just keep going. I can do more. I can mm -hmm. do more. I can do more. Until it came to a point where um, when I was in high school, I would get a Rice Krispie treat at break. And I would smash it up as hard as I could and, like, make it as big as I could. And I remember it was 150 calories, and that would be all I ate for that day. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that would be every single day. Well, you know, you, you brought up a very good point. You talked about your dad's addiction. I, and y'all may believe different than this. And, and Micah, anything you want to say on that? I, I believe, I think we do have addiction that lives within inside us. Yeah. You know, my mom was addicted, I think. Doesn't mean I'm destined to be an addict. Right. But I think my chances would be higher than just the average ordinary Joe because we have addictive personalities. Yes. I choose to exercise, run, do though I don't look like it, but I choose to exercise, <laughs> run, do those kind of things. Yes. But but I'm almost like where two miles wasn't enough. I'm going to get three. I'm going to go for four. I'm going to try to do this, try to do that. Well, I think that's in us, and I know that. And I also have depression. My mom suffered from depression. You was talking about your mom. Mm -hmm. I have to watch that. One time I was a basketball coach, and I should have had a team that was winning, and they, they were struggling. And I never really had experienced depression before, but I remember wanting to pull the covers over my head and not wanting to get out of bed. And when I would go to school and people would look at me, I would think, you're looking at me. You're, you're thinking about that ball game. When really, right. most people didn't really... They wasn't thinking anything, but in my mind, it's that that personality. So we have to watch those kind of things. Yes. And I know where you are today. What was the mind shift? And I know that you had help and everything. Did that change before Christianity came, or was it? And and you know what, addictions, things, and going through stuff. We still have to battle. We have to. The, the devil's going to make you tell these different things and you have to balance it out. But tell me, when did that really change? When did the mindset change and you get help with that? Um, well, I was forced to get help when I was in school. Um, I My mom ended up taking me to a psychologist who told us both that if I didn't change, I would die. She looked mm -hmm. me in the face and said that. So that scared me, and it also scared my mom. So she took me to a treatment center where I was in there for, it was um, intensive outpatient. So I'd be there for like all day long, and then I could go to sleep at night, but I had to be back the next day. Um, and so I did that, and I would say that helped a little bit while I was there, but I just completely went back to those mm -hmm. ways. I wasn't ready to change. I, right. I didn't want to have an eating disorder because I didn't want to die, but I also wasn't ready to let go. And I, some people may be able to go to a treatment center and get help from an eating disorder, but that is one of the number one, um, I guess you can say addictions right. that are mental illnesses that no, you don't fully recover from. That is probably the number one. Yeah. And it's well, hard. We're all like the, 
we all act and react based on our past experiences. Mm-hmm. And when our past experience, we found fulfillment or some degree of control through this behavior, right. we're always going to be tempted to turn back to that mm-hmm. behavior or something similar. And, you know, because it's animalistic almost. And so mm-hmm. when we somehow get satisfaction out of whatever that behavior was, it's going to be a temptation to go back to it. Yeah, to go back to the next thing. So mm-hmm. I left there and I really um, didn't fully improve. And my life continued the same. But um, when I got saved was actually when it changed. And so um, I had came to a point where I was at a dark, dark place. I had told myself, like, I just don't want to live anymore. And so I had a particularly bad set of circumstances that happened. The worst thing other than like a parent dying um happened that weekend and the next day I came to work and there was a girl at my work who said Lindsay do you want to come over tonight I'm having some friends over and it's not someone that I usually hang out with but I said sure anything to get my mind off of what Mm -hmm. had just happened so I went over um to her house that night and we're all hanging out and a lot of them went to church and during this whole time throughout my whole life I called myself a Christian because that's just what you do when you live in the Bible Belt. Oh yeah. (laughs) A lot of people do. Um, When I was in about third grade I had went to um, a Sunday school class with one of my neighbors and they were teaching on hell and they had asked me if um, they had asked if anybody wanted to get saved and they had just been talking about hell the whole time so I was terrified. And so I was like, yep, I do. (laughs) And so um, she led me in this little prayer. And I really didn't even know what we were praying about. But I just knew that I didn't have to go to the fiery men on the piece of paper that I was looking at. (laughs) So I was like, score. And so I prayed. And then she said, how do you feel at the end? And I remember thinking, like, oh, I don't feel any different. But I ain't telling her that. (laughs) I said, I feel great. And so she made me go tell the pastor. And then I got baptized. But. I just knew nothing had changed. And so fast forward to this moment with this girl, I called myself a Christian up until this point. And so she looked at me that night, knowing what my past had been, knowing my struggles, knowing the addictions that I'd battled, the just awful lifestyle I was engaging in. She said, Lindsay, how can you call yourself a Christian and live the way that you do? And I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. She's right. Because the Holy Spirit, even though I didn't know who that was at the time, He had already been working on my heart. I knew that what I said I believed wasn't really how I was living. And I knew the way that I was living is not who I wanted to be for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And that I didn't even know how I'd gotten to the point of where I was. But when she asked me that, I just, I didn't have any words. I didn't talk the rest of the night because my mind was just going. And I went to bed that night and the next morning I woke up to go home and she said, Lindsay, I'm so sorry for saying that to you. I shouldn't have said it like that. And all I could say was thank you. Right. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so that day when I got home, I just got on my knees and I didn't even know what to pray. I didn't, I just said, God, if you will save me, I will live the rest of my life for you. And I meant every single word. And so... That's awesome. Isn't it amazing how we think we have to have all these distinguished words and we have to have the prayer, Romans Mm -hmm. Road, and everything in there. He's our Father. He just wants you to cry out. And when you reach that point, you know, so from that point, has your heart been different and been changed? Absolutely. That next Sunday after that happened, it was probably like a Friday or Saturday, that next Sunday happened to be Easter, which 
I mean, God just knew. And so I went to a very powerful Easter service and I went up to the altar and I prayed so hard that my nose bled. (laughs) Um, The only Mm -hmm. other time that happened was at my dad's funeral. That was the two times I've ever cried that hard. Mm -hmm. And so I was just crying so hard and I just knew I wanted to give my life to the Lord. So I immediately got so involved in that church. I was there every Sunday Every Wednesday, I had a lady who was just so accountable to me at that time, and I'm so thankful for her. She would send me scriptures. She would make sure that I was there, always inviting me. And I just got really plugged into community and people, and my life completely changed. I never picked up alcohol again. I never did a drug again. I just totally left it away by the power of the Holy Spirit. But I just knew that that would be a doorway back to who I was, and I wasn't going to be that person. Mm. And so God... If you can imagine someone doing a 180 completely, that was me. People who, when I went to serve on the youth team, the youth pastor had parents calling him saying, I don't know about that. Because they knew who I was, but they didn't know who I was becoming in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so God truly, truly transformed my life. And he gave me a life that I never even thought I could dream of. That's awesome. So. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that later on in, in uh, next podcast that we're going to mention that. It's, it's hard to see that transformation completely, but your life is one that you can see that 180. Yes. And, um, and then in the next episode, we're going to talk to Micah a little bit. We're going to hear his story and from just kind of talking to him a little bit. Not everybody's story is always like that. Right. And, and, and it doesn't always go in, but... You know, what advice would you give, Lindsay? Like, we didn't do a very good job of helping you. But sometimes when you're in that situation, it's almost you you, you won't allow yourself to be helped. Is there anything that we could do or you would recommend to people out there? What can we do different for kids like you that's struggling? Is there any advice you would give us? I would say my biggest advice is just to love them unconditionally. Because people who grew up in a home like I did, they've never experienced that love. And that honestly is what drives them to do Mm -hmm. the things that they do. And so just, I would have friends that were such good people, like um, my now pastor's daughter. She would say, hey, do you want to go do something? Do you want to come to dinner? I didn't even know how she was being nice to me because people weren't normally like that. Mm -hmm. And um, just all throughout that, even people who saw my struggle, they just showed up for me. They invited me to just be with them and try to become my friend. Now, even in the middle of my sin, because that's what Jesus does. He leaves a 99 for the one. He doesn't Mm -hmm. force you into salvation. He's just right there. He's waiting for you to make that choice. And my friends embodied that for me. They were right there with me, walking with me, not forcing anything on me, but loving me right where I was. And so that's what I would say. Well, it's amazing when you see people and I know the ones you're talking about their true heart for the God and that you know we yeah. we can all act like in we can act like we have the perfect Christianity you know uh, I, I go to Casting Crowns had the song Stained Glass Masquerade we think everybody at church is perfect the, really the thing that was crazy in your mindset all the little friends around you had a perfect life right. a lot of them was putting on that uh, persona when they came to school everything was great some of them had been abused some of them had uh, addicts for parents but they weren't going to let you know it So if everybody acts like it, and I think that's why sometimes we have to be real. We have to be willing to share our stories and share ourselves. And then as Christians, as you were talking about, we have to be uh, aware of our surroundings mm-hmm. and and pray for the Spirit to lead because there's people out there that you see it daily. And, and Mike, I know you do. Um, 
you know, any thoughts about that, that I think we're called, and that's what I think we're going to answer for one day to God, mm -hmm. that you didn't help a Lindsay and, right. you know, and, and people out there, you know, so. Mm -hmm. I just think when I look back, you know, there's so many people that planted that seed for me. There's so many people who just did one thing. And I can look back and see all those people were assigned by the Lord to come at that exact right time to just plant little seeds that led a trail into that final moment where I actually gave mm -hmm. my life to Jesus. So it's just that faithfulness, even when you don't see the fruit, just knowing that God is the one who's going to bring it into fruition in His time. But that those little seeds is what helps that person get through to that point. And it all points to God. Exactly. So. Well, man, that's an awesome story. And, um, you know, it gives hope to people out out there when sometimes you reach the point where you didn't really think there was another tomorrow right. and it was hopeless and you know I'm just that I, that's the thing I, I told uh, I was talking to someone about that we may not can fix the problems here on earth but I know someone that can yeah. and uh, I'm glad you found him and yes. hey we really enjoyed it it's been a, a great episode and uh, we look forward to hearing the next part that we're going to find out about Micah and then we're going to hear uh, you all story how God put you guys together and uh, we look forward to it All right, thank you thank you